What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. Alright guys, welcome into another podcast episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. As most of you probably know, to this point I have finished my projections, so now we're going to be getting into a completely different type of podcast series, and I actually have a guest on. I'm very excited to have this guy right here. He is the one who got me started in fantasy football and basically birthed this passion of mine. And if you haven't been able to guess it, it's my dad. Um, how's it going today? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Thanks for the introduction. (laughs) All right. So today we decided that we would look at each other's rankings and basically find guys that we were super different on. And we're going to attack the running back position today. So we're doing ranking debates and, you know, we're going to hit on some, some good key names for you guys, but we also have some fan questions or listener questions that we're also going to hit on. And we're going to start with one right now. So on Twitter, Dave asked a question about the Rams' backfield, and he said, if you want to explore the Rams' backfield, I'd be interested in hearing more about that because I'm afraid I'm too low on Cam Akers. First off, I just want to say I feel you because Cam Akers is somebody that I love one day, and then the next day I wake up and I'm so scared to draft him. It's just something about that situation, how Todd Gurley was last year. And, you know, that offense has not really been up to par with what we saw that first year with McVay. But here's my breakdown for the Rams' backfield. So Cam Akers, first of all, we look at draft equity. He's a second rounder, 52nd overall. Darrell Henderson, last year that they grabbed, was a third rounder, 70th overall. So he was pretty high too. And then obviously their other guy, Malcolm Brown, he's an undrafted free agent. And so obviously Cam Akers has the edge when it comes to draft equity. Also, you look at what type of backs they are. Cam Akers is 5'10", 215, while Darrell Henderson is 5'8", 207. Pretty similar, but Cam Akers is a stronger, bigger back that can take a bigger workload, in my opinion. And then Malcolm Brown is 5'11", 225. So similar to Cam, but not as athletic and fast. He's got some extra weight on him. So what are some things that you've seen from Akers and Henderson? Because I know that that's the main guy people are worried about infringing on Akers' workload. So... You know, I actually had to go and watch some tape myself because I don't really watch much of the Rams' backfield last year. But um, Henderson, when when you watch what you see, he, he's honestly more of a receiving type back. I know he might be a little thicker, like you were saying, but they, you know, they they use him more like a receiving type back. Um, when he does have the ball for carries, it seems kind of a streamlined, like one cut and he goes and. You know, from what I see from Cam Akers, he's a lot shiftier. He has good vision. You know, he definitely seems like the guy that's that's going to be the primary in that backfield. Yeah, for sure. Um, Akers is just, he's, to me, when I watch him, I feel like he's a less bursty version of Dalvin Cook. And I think that's the kind of upside he can carry with him, except we haven't seen as much injury history with Akers as we have with Cook. So that's also another thing going in Akers' direction is that he seems like he can be while I might compare him to Dalvin Cook, a more solid running back. And so I put a, a lot of like research into this question, so I'm probably going to be answering most of it and getting into a lot of details. Um, Akers, he had a much higher grade coming into the draft compared to Darrell Henderson. And the biggest thing for me is 
If Darrell Henderson was the guy, why would they take Akers? We know that the Rams have been in this win-now mode, especially since they've gotten to the Super Bowl, and they've been trading away assets in the draft to acquire players to make their team better. And, you know, when they're doing that, they ended up in the situation where their first pick this past draft was that pick that they used on Camp Akers, and they have plenty of holes that they can use much more depth at in more important positions than running back when they have Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson, who they just drafted last year. And we know that the running back position is one of the easiest positions for a rookie to come in and play and contribute right away. So not only do you have them investing the little capital that they have in Akers to make me think that they are fully committed to him as their RB1, but you also have history to look at last year. And so last year, Malcolm Brown had 69 carries to Darrell Henderson's 39. So if you just put Todd Gurley to the side, when the other guys were getting carries, who was the person that they relied on? Who was the person they looked towards? It wasn't the guy that they just spent a third round pick on. It was their undrafted free agent. And so that's something that also worries me because Darrell Henderson, he wasn't hurt. There wasn't anything, you know, going on that would give him an easy excuse. So if they were not giving him a lot of carries... You know, sometimes we see guys like one of them for me is Ronald Jones that doesn't get carries and is good. And then finally the coaching staff figures it out. But the fact that they just went and grabbed a new guy, he's not going to get Darrell Henderson is not going to get that opportunity. So I, that is what makes me feel very confident in Akers. And then even when you look at red zone touches, when it wasn't Gurley, when they were giving Gurley a breather because he just got them to the red zone, Malcolm Brown was the guy who got the touchdowns opposed to... Darrell Henderson. Brown had five touchdowns. Henderson had zero. And red zone is clutch time. So honestly, there's so many things that are just pointing to Henderson not being somebody that they truly believe in because all of their investments show otherwise that I feel pretty confident in Akers. And also, he's just a better talent. He's a tougher, better runner. And he's coming from a horrible O-line in college. And he still had over a thousand yards. I saw a stat that if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he had negative yards before contact last year. All of his yards were after contact. He was getting touched in the backfield consistently. So although some people say the Rams have a bad O-line and everyone averaged under four yards per carry last year, so how do you think Akers is going to be anywhere near good? Well, I think he's going to be better than Gurley was last year because Gurley's not the same Gurley. And then Henderson is not nearly to the talent level as Akers and Malcolm Brown. He was an undrafted free agent for a reason. So I fully believe in Akers. I think that's something that you can look forward. And so the last thing I want to talk about on this question is the splits. Gurley last year got 67% of the carries. And he was not the elite Gurley we once knew. He also got 80% of the targets. And Cam Akers is a guy that can catch the ball. And I know you were talking about Darrell Henderson looking like a guy who's a pretty good receiver. So maybe he does take away some of that receiving work, but I still see Akers getting more. And even if you knock down the percentages that Gurley was getting, because, you know, he was the established guy, they've had him for years. If you're not projecting the same thing towards Akers, if you, even if you give him 55% of the carries and 70% of the re- receiving work, which is where I haven't projected at, he lands at my RB24, but I would still take him over some other guys that I have ranked above him because I think he has massive upside if that offense is able to bounce back. And, I mean, do you think it's out of the realm of possibility that the newly drafted second-round running back on the once very high-powered Rams could be a top-12 running back this year? Um, Just because there's so much talent out there, I really think top-12 is pushing it. 
but I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you're definitely right with the the talent. Like we've talked about how much talent there is. Like this is probably one of the most loaded running back groups we've had in the NFL for fantasy purposes and just for skill. But not necessarily like would you project it just potential. Like, do you think it's there's potential for him to finish top twelve, or you still think that that's kind of a reach? I, I think that's still kind of a reach. Okay, and what do you, what do you see it like as a floor like? Um, I, I would say his floor, he's being dropped, he's as the what running back? He's around, he's around where I have him ranked. I just feel more comfortable taking him a little bit more than others, just because I see the, I see more potential. And he's ranked at? I have him ranked at my RB24, and he's getting drafted about the back of the 20s. I feel like his floor is just outside the RB2 territory, more like 25 to 30, mm-hmm. but at a floor. Yeah. Um, you believe in his, in his ceiling more than I do, okay. but uh, I mean, I, I still would project his ceiling to be 15 to 18. True. All right, so I hope that that helps you out a little bit with your, your Rams backfield. Basically, I'm all in on Akers being the number one guy. I don't think Henderson is really going to infringe on his workload much. I think he's going to get just slightly less than what Gurley was getting last year. And with that said, now we can get into the first player that we are massively different on and that's Leonard Fournette and I'll start out by saying I know I'm the lower guy um versus consensus I have him as my running back 20 and he is your running back 13 13 13. so you want to go ahead and start us off with uh Fournette what are some reasons that you're taking him basically as like a back-end RB1 or or top-end RB2 um I mean for me really just comes down to stats I I mean I, I realize that they brought Chris Thompson on and that he's going to take a lot of that third down work. He's a much better passing back. I get that. But Fournette, to me, you know, he's still a beast. I, I still look at the player and I say, this guy was drafted fourth overall. I mean, this guy is a high pedigree running back. I mean, players don't even get drafted in the first round running backs anymore, you know, for the most part. But in the top ten like that. Yeah. Yeah. That fourth overall, I mean... I think that was probably the worst pick of the first round. That's not nice. <laughs> He's a human being, and he has human feelings. Um, but, I mean, he... Like, for for me, I think he's honestly, and it's funny because he's a Jaguar, but I really, really genuinely believe that Leonard Fournette is just a Jag. He's just a guy. Like, he's he's a, a thick guy. He can He's a guy that can take hits. He's a guy that can take a lot of carries. He can, you know, have a workload, but I don't really see him as a guy. He's never been uh, very efficient. He's always been a lower yards per carry kind of guy. He's not a great receiver. I mean, he can catch balls because he, he's getting a lot of targets, but like we said, that's going away with Chris Thompson, and then they're not going to have like a super high-flying offense. Like, I'm high on Minshew. I have Minshew as actually inside my top 12 quarterbacks, but that's mainly because of his rushing floor for me, and I think his like touchdowns are going to come up. So, like, honestly, I don't think that they're going to have the opportunity to give Fournette enough uh red zone touches and whatnot to give him the touchdowns that he needs to be able to compete because as we were talking about we have so many good running backs now and how many of them are plus 40 receptions for me there's no way that he hits that if chris thompson stays healthy right i I actually agree with all of those things and that's the one thing you know it's always about what you're drafting for at that position you know but with fournette the one thing to me that limits you think it's talent I think the one thing that's limiting him is that Jacksonville offense. That 
they're never going to be in a position that he's not game scripted out. He's definitely, you know what I mean, going to have games where they're going to need a lot more Chris Thompson than they are Leonard Fournette. They're not going to be ahead in a lot of games, you know, to just grind it out with him. Mm -hmm. But again, just going back to who the player himself is, I know people throw stones, they like to make jokes about Fournette, but I think you put Fournette uh, on the Titans, you know, and he does just as good as Derrick Henry does. Oh, man. I mean, he would definitely average more with the Titans, but I don't think that he would be, like, on the level of Derrick Henry. He's a better receiving back than Derrick Henry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's not much. That's not saying much. Um, but, yeah, like... Yeah, for me, like, how many carries do you have for him? Okay, so for Fournette, I have him at 270 carries. Okay, so I have him at 267. So I think uh, a big thing for me is just probably the receptions and the the lack of touchdowns because as we've compared rankings, I'm more a little bit more fearless with my, my touchdown projections. You know, a lot of people in the industry like to be, like, super safe, and they'll give, like, 8, 9, 10, sometimes Hello. 11, <laughs> sometimes 11 touchdowns. But for me... You know, like, I feel pretty confident with, like, when I give somebody, like, McCaffrey 16 or somebody on Camara's level a 13 or a Zika 16. Like, so that's another big thing for me, too, because I only have Fournette at 10 touchdowns, and I even feel like that's high. Like, I could easily see him getting, like, 7, 8, because he only had, was it 3 or 4? He only had 3 touchdowns last year. So, like, what are some guys, just to to give everyone a better sense and, you know, of where you would take him? I know he's your 13th running back. He's my 20th. So who would you take above him out of these guys? Because I feel like they're all in a pretty similar range in terms of ADP. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon yes. Bell. You would take Todd Gurley above him? Yes. Okay. What about David Johnson? No. No? Okay. I understand that because, like, the risk factor of injury and stuff. Like, even though Fournette has it, it's much scarier for David Johnson. Like, I have Johnson ranked ahead of him by three running backs in between, but I would, like, that would be a tough decision for me. What about Chris Carson? Chris Carson, I actually have right after him, but like you were just saying, I would take Carson above Fournette because, you know, outside of health, I'm always happy with what Carson does when he's on Yeah, and you could trust that Seahawks offense to be good, too. So some guys I would be taking over Leonard Fournette. Um, I'll basically just go ahead and read from 13. So right after that, RB1. I have Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Aaron Jones, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, James Conner, and then Leonard Fournette. So I would take, you know, obviously Chubb. Like I'm lower than him or on him than others. Um, but obviously we're taking Chubb over Fournette. I have Connor over Fournette because I think he has a much higher ceiling if he can stay healthy and get get back to that carry count that he was getting in that year that he broke out with the Steelers. We saw him, you know, he was a top five back points per game. And then Todd Gurley, I think, has immense upside in that Falcons offense, and they're going to run him into the ground. David Johnson, I think, is going to get a lot of receptions. There's so many targets on the board. Aaron Jones, we have a bunch of potential. So those are the guys that I feel like I have in front of Fournette that a lot of people have behind him. Um, maybe also Bell and Gordon. Um, I, actually, yeah, most people probably have Fournette in front of Le'Veon Bell. For me, Le'Veon Bell's getting a similar amount of carries at a similar amount of yards per carry, and they both struggled with touchdowns last year. So what's the one difference between the two? It's the receptions, and Le'Veon's going to massively outperform uh, Fournette in the reception category. So that's what we have for Fournette, and now we're going to go ahead and get into another listener question fantasy champ casey 
He says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you would rank the early to mid running backs in the Le'Veon Bell, Raheem Mostert, James Conner realm. So many guys in that area and even more opinions. So what are, let's say, we'll start at Mostert. What, what are your thoughts on Mostert? Okay, so actually I was a little down on Mostert, and I remember we had gotten a trade offer from Mostert, and I thought it was a ridiculous trade offer, and I talked to you about it, and you were like, it's really not that bad. Have you looked at what Mostert's stats were last year? <laughs> yeah. So I, I did. I went back and I looked at what he did, and, and obviously I, I don't think the yards were carry or anything like that. He's going to repeat, but clearly with Matt Breda gone, I mean, that opens up a lot more opportunities for him. And maybe he gets an uptick in the receptions as well. You know, we don't know what he was really able to do when you have a receiving back like Breda there. So um, I, I actually have Mostert inside. Um, he's uh, inside my RB2, so inside my top 25, top 24. All right, yeah, I have him just outside. We're pretty similar on him. I have him at, at 27. The few guys that I have right in front of him that might make us different are like a Mark Ingram, Jonathan Taylor, um, Cam Akers and David Montgomery and then Rojo too actually um, I'm not really sure where you have Rojo if you want to pull that up but I'm going to continue um, so I have Raheem Mostert basically as you know a safe efficient guy that's not going to get too much work but he's going to get the most work at least I think for the 49ers I think he's a pretty good pick at his redraft ADP around that sixth round but I'm pretty sure he's starting to creep up and if he gets into like the top of the fifth then that's going to get into that area where, you know, if he's my RB27 and then you just throw in 27 receivers, that puts him at the 54 overall mark. And that's not somebody that really would be a value for me in the fifth round anymore. So I wouldn't really be too excited about Mostert. But if he's somebody you already have, obviously you paid nothing for him if it's a dynasty or, or keeper or whatnot. So that's definitely a good asset. And so where do you have um, Ronald Jones? Just curious. Um, yeah, real quick. Ronald Jones I have at the 28 to 30 mark. Okay. Um, when I originally statted him out, um, we hadn't drafted Vaughn, Vaughn at all. But um, I did know that I expected them to address the position. So yeah, I statted sure. him out. If, you know. Yeah, if anything, I think most people, we were expecting them to, to pick somebody in that that elite tier of running backs right. right like you were expecting a swift or an acres or a clyde right like i remember all the bucks fans that's what we were wanting right and now we're sitting here at and, a vaughn and, and we have <laughs> yeah. no idea who they're gonna like better everybody has yeah. a different opinion for sure and uh you know taking your word again i went back i watched the videos ronald jones is definitely a, a better caliber running back from his college highlights yeah and yeah so many people that like considered you know and took into account the fact that if they did their you know ronald jones rankings before the draft that the bucks are going to grab a running back if anything i think Keyshawn vaughn in the third round is going to make it where you're not having to keep those projections that you you know, thought we're going to be lower for Ronald because you thought we're going to have a higher caliber guy with a higher draft equity. So I'm pretty high on Rojo, but I know that's one of the hottest debates. Like I see that every single day on Twitter. We got our Rojo people versus our Vaughn people, and I'm definitely in the minority. It's like probably 70-30 split to Vaughn's side. Um, and you know, fun fact, just on the side, Ronald Jones is actually younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. 
Yes, he is. <laughs> and Ronald Jones is going into his third year, and we've actually seen him produce already in the NFL and be successful. Um, but I don't want to get into my whole Ronald Jones debate. So Chris Carson and James Conner, where do you guys, where do you have those guys compared to each other? You have them similar to each other. You have them a little bit far apart because I know there's another. Those are other guys in this, you know, early mid running back range. I have five running backs between them. I have Carson ahead of Connor. Carson's ahead. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I have Carson. Oh, I actually have him behind. Yeah, I have him two spots behind Connor. So go ahead and, and t- tell me about Carson versus Connor. Again, like we were saying earlier, um, Rashad Pen- Rashad Penny. Um, regardless of him, um, I think they like Chris Carson better. I think he is the better back. Um, you know, and James Conner, you know, I worry about him. I worry about him. I worry about Big Ben. I worry about Juju. I worry about that entire offense. Yeah, that offense Um, is going to be something to watch for sure. You know, um, even though James Conner has been the running back one, I mean, we haven't seen him carry the load. At any point, and I think the Steelers I mean, realize we we saw him for a couple games, but I know what you mean over like the course of a whole season. Right, right. He, I mean, maybe I might be wrong, but I don't think he's ever broke like two hundred and sixty carries. In oh yeah, season. okay, yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, and but but that's what you want. That's what you expect out of a Steelers running back. You know what I mean? You buy into that system. Yeah, yeah that's that's definitely you would know more about that. You got that, you know, more history with the Steelers and you know, oh, when yeah. they had the sick defense and ran the ball like crazy, yeah. Because um, I I don't really know anything of the Steelers in terms of past history too much other than Bell. Which I mean I know he got right. good and, carries. And that's but, that's enough history. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you know what I mean, you expect them to have a guy that's two sixty plus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then one more thing I just want to go back and touch on most or something that you actually reminded me of is their receiving. Like, with Breda gone, they haven't seemed to target, like, any one running back much. But I'm very interested to see if Tevin Coleman is going to continue to be their, you know, main receiving back or if they're going to start looking to Mostert more. Because I only have him for 15, well, to be exact, 16 receptions and 160 receiving yards. So if he starts getting some more work in the receiving, he can definitely go up higher than where I have him at, RB27. So that's something to keep in mind with Mostert. That's just one of those backfields we really have, you know, we sh- all struggle projecting how the splits are going to work out, kind of like the Colts with, you know, the addition of Jonathan Taylor or Mark Ingram having JK added to his backfield. And so that's one of those backfields that are very interesting. And I'm just trying to see, is there any more RB2s that you really think that we should highlight that, you know, might be of interest to this listener? Um, I mean, the only person I could really think of maybe is David Montgomery, but I think we're both pretty low on him. Yeah, I, I don't know how David Montgomery is going to do. I mean, he's, you know, what you said earlier about um, Cam Akers. You said, you know, one day you wake up and you love oh, him, one oh. day you, you don't. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly like, that's the perfect sentiment because you know, like sometimes. Well, you're definitely ahead of me. I never wake up feeling good about David Montgomery. I mean, sometimes you see certain plays and you're like, "Oh, that guy is good," but then you go and look at the <laughs> stat line, and you're like, "That guy is not good." <laughs> yeah, three point seven yards per K last year. It was a, it was definitely a tough situation. Like Tariq Cohen had his worst efficiency that we've seen for him, so they definitely were all struggling. But yeah, David Montgomery for me, like he doesn't have the receiving. He doesn't have a huge 
touchdown potential to me. Like, yeah, he had seven, and he struggled last year, but he's never, because of the lack of receiving, going to be like a 12 to 15 touchdown guy, and that holds him back so much in the offenses that we have nowadays and the fantasy running backs that we have nowadays. And, um, yeah, for me, like, I even have Montgomery at in my top five for total attempts, rushing attempts. I have him in the 280s, and he's my RB23, and I would probably still take Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor, who I have both right behind him. I would still take them first. Um, so, yeah, Montgomery's somebody that we're both pretty low on. But I hope that, you know, we touched on the RB2s. Pretty good for you. We're going to go ahead and now get into our next player that we are very different on, and that is Josh Jacobs. And it's funny because we are in, like, a big money league together. We co-manage a, a dynasty team. And uh, we actually have Miles Sanders, Alvin Kamara, Clyde, and Josh Jacobs. And we were talking about um, some, like, possible trade packages and stuff when we had the 101 before we took Clyde. And I was saying that I would much rather have Clyde in a dynasty over Josh Jacobs. And you thought that was crazy. And your rankings show it because Josh Jacobs is my 12 while Clyde is 10. And then you have Josh Jacobs up, what was it that you said, like 7? Seven. Yeah. Okay, so so you can go ahead and, and get us started on Josh Jacobs. What are some things compared to other guys in his area that, that make you take him first? Um, I mean, I actually go back to something that somebody told me a long time ago and that Josh Jacobs, unlike a lot of other running backs that come into the NFL, did not get the usage, did not get the carries, doesn't have the wear and tear. And, you know, so really he's ranked in, in a redraft I, this is a redraft ranking, but yeah, if we're talking yeah. dynasty, I'd probably move him up higher because I think there's a lot of tread on that tire. You know what I mean? So, and, and I just think he's he's a great back. I mean, he catches the ball well. I know he only had 20 receptions, but if you go back and watch, you know. I, oh, I, yeah, he's a great, yeah, everyone. I, I think we all agree that he's a great receiver. Just for some reason, they didn't utilize him much right. last year. You know, yeah, exactly. He definitely needs to be used more in the passing. And, um, you know, I, I, I put him at, he's one of those guys, the few in the league that I have above 207 carries. You know, oh, have, wow, really? Yeah. I have, yep. Okay, you have him for a lot more than me. Usually we're pretty, like, on point with each other with carries. I have him at 250. Well, I mean, last year he had 242 carries in 13 games. Yeah. So, you know, I put him at 280 carries. You know, last year he also had more injuries that he was dealing with. So they probably held back. Even that 242, they probably held back a little bit from what they would have wanted to do. Yeah, He can't I, be game scripted out, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I just expect a John Gruden offense to utilize Josh Jacobs and him to be... Yeah, I'm, I mean, I hope so, for sure. Of course, like, we, we both have him. For, for me, I have him getting less carries per game than last year, I think, because of those injuries. Like, for me, they probably, or at least, you know, what I'm assuming or what I'm taking out of the situation from last year is that maybe because of his injuries, they're, you know, not wanting to give him as much tread because like you said he didn't get much usage in college so we don't really know we don't have any history to look at and say oh this guy can handle a big workload and then maybe they were kind of scared off or worried so I just haven't giving him a few or like two or three carries less per game than last year and also they drafted Henry Ruggs Brian Edwards Lynn Bowded like they brought in a whole bunch of receiving guys so I also think that they might be you know changing 
their percentage of run versus pass plays a little bit more. Right, but you can also argue that that's going to work to his advantage now. You know, he's going to be able to have a lot more of the middle of the field open to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, so, we, so you're you're banking on him starting to get a little bit more receiving work. A little bit more everything work. He's going to get, I believe, will get yeah. more carries, and he'll see a little bit of an uptick in receiving, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I have him for less carries than you, but I also have him probably for higher efficiency because um, I have him at five yards per carry. So we're probably pretty even on, like, rushing yards and just rushing. I have rushing 1344 total. on 280, so, yeah, we're really close. Yeah, because I'm at 1270, 1260. So, yeah, we're pretty close on rushing as a whole. And then, yeah, for me, it's the fact that they kept or re-signed Jalen Richard is kind of just scaring me off a little bit with the receiving. That's why he's one of the guys that I just have behind a Joe Mixon, Clyde, who I think is going to get a very healthy target share and just real quick I know some people always point to you know the fact that Andy Reid doesn't give that much receptions to his backs but if you draft a running back in the first round you're not going to just keep all of your tendencies like I think a lot of people just overvalue coach tendencies because a lot of coaches build their tendencies off their current players like do you think that's a fair statement like when they talk good coaches yeah and Andy (laughs) Reid is definitely one of those um yeah, like even like when they talk about Tom Brady, like you know, so many people are worried, so worried about Mike Evans because he's an outside receiver, and oh, Tom Brady's never really targeted an outside receiver. Um, but I mean, what outside receiver has he ever had that was a stud? His best players have always been guys that going over the middle of the field. Edelman, Welker, Gronk. Like he had Moss, but I mean, from what I I know, like Moss, he had like one big year, and then. He also was not just like a strictly outside guy. He's he's not as much of an outside guy as Evans was. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just I feel like people always overvalue some tendencies. Like you have to look at the players around. But um. And I, I do want to say one more thing on Jacob. Yeah, go for and, it. And it just seems to me like I feel like the NFL that the owners are, are gearing towards what running back second contract. I I feel like. They're starting to lean on these rookies a lot more, and mm-hmm. they don't care come year four, year five. They might be done with you. There's another rookie ready to pick up all. So, so uh, you know, I mean, for us, for fantasy, you know, that's definitely something like, yeah, give him more carries. You know, I mean, I want to see Todd Gurley. You know, forget about his knee. I want to see Todd Gurley have 280 carries, <laughs> so I can be right. You know about yeah. how. You know what I mean? That's I mean, definitely I what want... I think is going to happen, too. For yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, all right. So I think I think that's pretty good for Josh Jacobs. Um, he's definitely, you know, he's a good, solid pick. Um, he's somebody that I consider, you know, in, like, the middle of, of the second. I struggle taking him at the turn, but you would have no problem taking him at the turn, I assume. Like, the 12, 13 turn. Yeah, I mean, give me some names around him and ask me if I take, you know, because for me, I mean, I have him above Henry. Okay. Yeah, you know, see, for me, that like... that doesn't say enough. Yeah, my 12-13 turn, usually, like, because I've had already two drafts from that spot, or or 11-14, um, for me, that turn is usually, like, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. Um, usually, Joe Mixon is first, because I just know I can get Sanders later. Or it'll be Sanders, and... I mean, honestly, I have Eckler above Jacobs by th- three spots. And Jacobs is my 14th overall. So he's yeah. just outside of So that he's turn. right at that turn, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so that's that's our, um, you know, Josh Jacobs assessments. And so we have another question here. 
And I know this is something that we differ on and we try not to talk about it too much so we could get, you know, as much genuine conversation here for you guys. So Kevin asks, in a 10-team Superflex, is it worth it to hoard quarterbacks late in the draft if your league mates didn't attack the position? I ended up with Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, and Dwayne Haskins because they all fell well past their ADP. Do these quarterbacks actually hold that much value? Or do I have dead weight? So I'm going to let you start off because um, I know you're ready to go for this one. <laughs> All right. So short answer, you have dead weight. Uh, I, I, I mean, and the reason you have dead weight is because of the quarterbacks that you selected. I mean, I could see when you're taking quarterbacks that have a really high ceiling and we're not really sure, you know, what you're going to do. But when you take guys like Golf and Haskins, I mean, you can't tell me there wasn't better players available that could have made your team better. So, you know, I, again, I'm just, it's the players that make that, a, you know, the answer is mm. dead weight. Okay, so, so for me, I think, so a sp- specifically for your example, First off, I think Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, and Kyler Murray are all definitely great picks. I actually have them all, except for Kyler Murray, because he's already ranked high. But I'm really high on Joe Burrow. He's somebody I really like. Matt Ryan, somebody I really like. I think you have a great cast of quarterbacks. But one thing I do agree with that he said is Haskins, I think that you had to have better options there at wide receiver, running back. Like there's, you know, at the sacrifice of getting an RB3, or because obviously we don't know exactly where you took them. But if you had to sacrifice your RB3 or your wide receiver 4 or 5 for a guy like Haskins or even Goff, I think it would probably have been a better move to go there. But I don't necessarily think that it was a horrible strategy if you are the type of guy that is very trade-savvy and if you have guys in your league that are trade-savvy. That's a big part of, you know, like just fantasy football in general. Like for me, like we always talk about how you want to know your league mates. Like if you see value dropping, like if you already have like a Kelsey or a Kittle, but then, you know, you find somebody that you think can also be a stud tight end, but he's kind of going to be useless for you. Like you don't take that pick unless you know that you have people that will trade with you. Right. Like, cause otherwise he's just like a backup sitting there in case something happens. And we don't really like to just, you know, have backups that we're not going to play. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. If you think that you can flip a Goff, or, you know, Orion, if he's doing really good. Because, I mean, it is super flex, so you have to have, like, two good guys. But I think you have three. So, Goff or Haskins, you should flip right away. Like, if Haskins starts good, you got to flip him immediately, right? Because, like, we don't believe in Haskins. Yeah, we don't believe in Haskins. And, and again, I, I'm still going to say, you said a 10-team. 10-team, we're talking 20 quarterbacks. I don't believe that Goff or Haskins, obviously Haskins, Neither yeah, I think Goff. Will, I think Goff will be. I mean, he has been always. Yeah, I just I, I'm not. I don't believe in him enough to be putting a pick where you know I'm not sure where he's drafting a guy like Goff. But like you said, I mean, it, even an RB four, RB five. You know, right now it's obviously. But you know, if you you could have got a, a Alexander Madison, you know, with a pick like that, Latavius Murray, guys that like you can use and have a, a you know much higher ceiling. I just don't know who's going to want golf or <laughs> I love how you lower your voice. Well, <laughs> it's, it's just, it, 
for me, I, I, don't, I don't think, either. I don't think, like, I don't have any problem with the strategy. Just know that when you do something like this, it sets yourself up for a lot of work um, that you don't need to set yourself up for. But if you can pull it off, it's good. But I would have tried to get somebody better than Haskins as that fifth pick. But I don't think Goff was that bad. Um, but there's also one thing that I think is kind of interesting, and I wonder if this is something you've thought about. It's that I think quarterbacks are the safest position to draft in fantasy in terms of like dynasty or whatnot because they have the longest shelf life. They're the easiest, in my opinion, to project. Like running backs and wide receivers are usually always dependent on the quarterback and, you know, all this the situation around them. And while quarterbacks are like affected by offensive line and stuff, quarterbacks are usually like we have a good idea of who a quarterback is. And, you know, except for Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, he's he's up and down, yeah. But like, he's he, but we stats. know, yeah. But we know he's a good quarterback. Like, you yeah. could have said the same thing about Matt Ryan. But like, we know the pattern with Matt Ryan. It's the second year offensive coordinator, which is a reason I love him this year because he's got Cutter in the second year now, so he should go crazy. But um, but yeah, like that's one thing that's interesting to me is quarterbacks are safer. So if you see a quarterback that you know is going to be good, even if he's your QB four, if you know, you already have a good foundation of, of running backs and wide receivers. I don't think it's a terrible idea because a lot of those running backs receivers that you're taking later, especially in Dynasty, because people are, are taking their shots in the dark at young guys who we haven't seen yet. I mean, a lot of them end up being nothing. And at least the quarterback, you know, that's a pick that you have value in. So that's something else I think is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if you take anything out of that. I mean, no, for some, I, I can't get it out of my head. But uh, in our Dynasty last year, there was a guy he took five or six quarterbacks and it's a 10 team yep. yeah <laughs> just and, like this and one. this year i think his you know his team name is like bitter or something like that because I mean, <laughs> he did it nobody... with the intention of trading and you know he wasn't getting any of the value that he was hoping to get and i, I mean it didn't work out for him you yeah. know maybe he's made a few moves during the offseason Mm-hmm. And he did it, but it's not through the season. He had to go through a whole year of looking at that roster of quarterbacks just eating up his bench That's when true. he needed other players. That's true. That's a good point. All right, so so now we're going to get into another player that we are very different on, and that guy is Austin Eckler. And, man, it hurts me. It hurts me how low, low you are on Eckler. And the next guy we're going to talk about, too. Um, but, yeah, so... What is it with Eckler? Like, why don't you have him high? <laughs> Basically, is my I, question. I mean, you know, I, I feel like 16 is oh. high. <laughs> no. Oh, no. He was, he was like the R. He was a top five running back last year. I know he was. And he had Melvin for half of the season. I know. I know. I, I, I can't tell you why the numbers. Is it, is it Tyrod? Like, what, what is it? It's carries, probably. I have him for 168 carries. Okay, last year he had 132 carries. Right. I'm right. just saying maybe the maybe my carry amount is just I okay, let's I have him for 168 at 700 rushing yards, 70 receptions, 700 reception yards. So 1400 total yards with eight touchdowns. Okay. Again, I keep going back to there's just a stockpile of better running backs. You know, to yeah. me I, I would rather have Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Aaron Jones. I, I'm sorry to say Aaron Jones. I don't really want to say that because 
him, you know, he had too many bad games. So, yeah. again, I, I hate looking at the overall points at the end and saying, man, that guy was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm I'm interested. Like, it's interesting. Like, once you read your numbers, that Eckler's so low for you. Because I have similar numbers. I have a couple more touchdowns and, like, slightly more rushing yards. I think I have, like, 150 more than you do. Um but, yeah, like, if you have him for, you said, 70 receptions? Yeah. Like, that's even more than I have have for him. And I, yeah, I, I don't know how he's not higher for And him. I feel like I have him at his ceiling. I, I, he's just not. I mean, I could go through and bore you with everybody else's numbers. You know, like, okay, here's a good example. I have him below Le'Veon, but... I mean, his ceiling is better. Le- Le'Veon's ceiling is... Oh, yeah, this for point. sure. Yeah, so, again, better. it just depends on what you're looking for right there. Like, if you've already taken a chance early on, like, do you really want to go, you know, at that position with your second? Depends on where you're picking your second or third pick. You know, do you really want to go Eckler, you know, who's got a lot more upside, or do you want to just go, like, a boring, safe, Bell. I mean, Bell is an RB2. I mean, I'll, I, I take that. Yeah. You know I mean, I, mean? I personally, I think Eckler, because I have Eckler at 9. I think Eckler is just as safe, if not safer than Bell. Because, I mean, yeah, Bell's going to get more um, rushing, but I think they're going to get similar receiving. Eckler is a shoe-in for more touchdowns, in my opinion. Because, I mean, I, I believe in that offense a lot more than others do, I think. with that's, Ty probably our, that's probably one of our differences, then. Yeah. Um, because like Tyrod's, he's good enough. And I think that their offense is going to be super interesting because their O-line got better with some additions. They have, you know, two great running backs in Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. And we'll see what happens, what comes of Joshua Kelly that they drafted. But I think they can have, you know, a really good, like elite defense, pound the ball and just run it down people's throats because they have enough guys to do it. I hate to even say this because now I'm like arguing against myself, but is Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly good, like really good running backs? I mean, one Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson is well. I mean, he he hasn't like a huge workload, but like with what he's done, he's been really good. Right, I hear you. Um, kind of reminds me of a Darrell Henderson a little bit. You know, like when I watch the tape, like I, I, I'm not impressed really. Really. All right, so, I mean, yeah, like, I'm way higher on Eckler. Um, so, name me a couple guys other than Bell. That that, that I would have. take ahead of Eckler. And Aaron Jones, because I, I know that you said okay. those two for Fournette, sure. Fournette, Gurley. Oh, man, all right. Fournette, Gurley, Sanders, Henry, Jacob, Mason, Cook. Yeah, I don't have a problem with any, any of those except for um, Fournette was a big one, and then... Man, I already forgot what the other one was. Well, it would be boring if we agreed on everything. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, and Eckler's one of my keepers, too. So okay, well, let me ask you <laughs> this, because I know you're, you're high on both of these. Where do you have Drake as compared to Eckler? I have them back-to-back, and that's the next guy we're going to get into. So, uh, okay. that'll be very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's get to one more question. So, this guy, it's kind of a statement, but I understand where you're going. Um Dynasty Alley AI on Twitter um, says, Rookie fever versus reality. I'm tired of hearing how so-and-so is taking over the job. So I definitely understand the rookie hype getting out of hand. And I think it's definitely happening happening with the running backs. But I don't really think it's a problem anywhere else. Um, quarterbacks, we're not really seeing any rookie hype. 
I mean, if anything, I'm the one leading the rookie hype on Joe Burrow. And um, for wide receivers, I mean, all of them have pretty low ADPs in redraft. So I think really it's just about the running backs. And I'm just curious, Jonathan Taylor, for you, do you think you would be taking him over a guy like just because of maybe potential and like risk with David Johnson? Would you take a Jonathan Taylor in a redraft over a guy like David Johnson? No way. No way. No okay. way. Well, I definitely have David Johnson I, I like, higher than him, too. I like backfields that are a lot clearer to me. David Johnson is the clear, you know, touches. And even, honestly, he, he might be better than Duke Johnson. I think Duke's is probably better, but that it's a little, uh, you know, over the board. But David Johnson's really a great receiving back as well. Yeah. You know, so, you know, who you know it, to me... If you have a running back that when he's on the field for your first and second down, when you put him out there for your third down, you keep the defense guessing a lot more than, oh, we're going to just trot out Duke Johnson. We know it's going to be a passing play. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I, I see him being a lot more involved. Um, I, I, I don't think Marlon Mack is just going to disappear. I don't think Naheem Himes is going to just disappear. Yeah, definitely. Hines definitely not. He's going to be like their receiver. So you back. think Mac's going to just disappear? I don't know. We're on the oh, same page. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we're on the same page with this for sure. Um, I think the biggest thing with like the rookie fever, and I think the reason that it happens is because so many of us are so focused, like especially in that Twitter universe, which is where this listener's questions comes comes from. So many people are dynasty-centric. And when you're dynasty-centric, the only drafts really going on every year, unless you're doing a startup, are rookie drafts. And everything you're watching is college tape. Every, you're watching the college seasons, you know, along with the NFL, of course. And you're just like salivating over these guys. And you love these guys. And this was a great running back class. I mean, I mean Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like all these guys we loved. But the thing is, is we're almost getting to a point, in my opinion... Because we haven't lost that back-end group of running backs, the David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Like, we haven't lost those vets yet. They haven't dropped off and like lost their jobs. That we're almost oversaturated with running backs in the NFL, in my opinion. Especially because like not as many teams are doing work, workhorse roles. So, you know, you have a lot of like good, just 50% share type guys. That like people just want to love these guys because of how good they were. But then the landing spots this year specifically... I mean, you have Jonathan Taylor landing with Mac. You have J.K. Dobbins landing with Ingram. You have Swift landing with Carrion. Like, none of these guys landed in a spot except for Clyde, but Clyde still has Damien Williams. Um, none of them really landed in a spot where they're going to be the clear one. Like, I don't feel comfortable projecting more than 50% of the work to J.K. Dobbins. Like, Mark Ingram was great last year. Like, do you think Mark Ingram is going to get less work than J.K. Dobbins? No, absolutely not. Right, so... Um, like I said, like we're pretty much on the same page. I think that's pretty much the reason is just because people fall in love with these running backs. So I'm definitely with you, Dynasty Alley, um, because I think that in reality, especially for redraft, when we're talking that uh, people are a little too high on these rookie running backs, I know I'm definitely lower on Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is my running back 26. Um, so, you know, he's not somebody I will be touching at all in redraft. I don't see any way that he sees more than 250 carries, and he's not going to see any of the receiving work because Naheem Hines is going to be playing that role. The Colts already said he's going to be playing that role. And what if, nobody talks about this, but what if Phillip Rivers is not a significant upgrade from Jacoby Brissett? Like, he might not be. Like, they're 
people can't just expect them to have a super proficient offense, you know? And, like, what if T.Y. is not to the same level? What if Michael Pittman, he's a rookie? Like, there's so many questions there. I think what it is is they they are willing to accept, you know, it's almost like the Winston disease. Like, they're willing to accept that, hey, he's going to make a lot of mistakes, but those mistakes aren't going to stop him from just, you know, chucking it down the field. And as a Colts fan, you, you know, it's, it's going to be about wins or losses. They're not going to care, you know, how much better. But he will definitely take a lot more shots. And and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing than Jacoby, but you you're not gonna have that more reserve offense. Yeah, um, and then the the one last thing I would touch on because like I said, it's pretty much just running backs with the rookie fever. Um, I I'm curious if Clyde is one of the people he's worried about. Um, I'm personally not. I have him at ten. Um, I think Clyde is because of that pedigree. He's gonna walk in. He's gonna be the number one guy. And I mean, Damian Williams. They clearly show that they don't really believe in him because they went and signed a aged, like, beaten-down LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, they were, like, trying to get Carlos Hyde. And there's just, like, so many, so many things showing that they don't really fully believe in Damien Williams. You know, kind of like going back to the Rams thing with Darrell Henderson. Like, when a team is con- constantly trying to, to get new people in the room, to me, that's like, we don't really believe in this guy. So I think Clyde is going to... Get become the clear one very quickly, maybe after just a couple weeks, few weeks. Um, I'm not nearly as worried on him, but everyone else, I fully agree. Uh, people are probably too high on. And so now we're going to get into our last running back that we have a huge difference on, and that is Kenyon Drake. So who are some guys that you have in front of Kenyon Drake that are probably going to make me go crazy? Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, because Kenyon is, is still right there with, you know, Eckler. He's, he's two away from Eckler. So the names that made you go crazy before, they're going to make you go crazy again. Um, the only new name that's going to make you cra- go crazy is Nick Chubb. I have uh, Nick Chubb is who's between Eckler and Drake for me. Okay. So Drake is my 18. Um, but, you know, even, even some of the names after him... I have a hard time saying I, I wouldn't even consider them. Uh, you know, I have David Johnson after Drake. I have James Conner. Those are probably the two names that, like, to me are closest to oh. where I would take Drake. You know, like, but I have Drake ahead of both of them. So um, what is it What is it for you? Like, are do you not think Drake is going to get a, a significant workload? Because for me, like, with, with the Cardinals, he averaged 19.7 points per game last year in PPR formats. He was... A top five running back in terms of points per game. I mean, just looking at my my chart right here, the outside of Christian McCaffrey, who averaged like thirty points a game, the only people above twenty were Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and then we had a, at nineteen point nine was Aaron Jones. So Kenyon Drake was a top five guy. He was even in front of Eckler in points per game if you just take when he was with the Cardinals. And I think that offense is getting better. You're adding DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to make it even easier to run because they're going to have they are going to be able to stack stack the box even less. Uh, I'm assuming that the offensive line would be able to get a little bit better in year two with you know their new offensive system with their new rook who was a rookie coach last year, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kyler's coming into his second year. Like, there are just so many things that point to that offense taking a big jump for me that I think Drake's efficiency is going to be just as good as it was last year, but now he's going to be, you know, there for a full season. And I think that he's just going to produce. Like, 
I mean, do you not think that he's going to be the clear number one? Do you not think he's going to hold up to the carries? or? Well, uh, again, you know, when I look at the numbers, I have him at 213 carries. So, Ooh, yeah, okay. I, I have do him at, have him. I have him at 240, so that's a big okay, difference. Okay, so, so, so you have one difference right there. I have him at 36 receptions, maybe higher than you. Oh, no, I you have him at 52. 52, okay. So, so there we go. Right away you can see, you know, you drop 30 carries and... And, and 20 15, receptions, I Yeah, say. whatever, receptions. You know, that's going to cost you several hundred yards and probably some touchdown opportunities. For sure. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to kind of explain. I don't know. I think people are going to think I'm crazy. But sometimes when I make, when I draft and I put my stats out there for my um, my next year's projections, um, with somebody like Kenyon Drake, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because, you know, I have a little bit of personal interest. You know, I plan on having him in a league and I'm going to keep him this year. So I want to keep my you know, my reservations about him, I can't get him to go away because, you know, I'm trying to decide between Kenyon Drake, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, and the ceiling of Drake is probably why I'm going to keep him. But I am a little bit, even, but I do know his floor is probably good too. So, but back to what I'm saying, like, for a guy like Kenyon Drake, I stat him out and I seem to stat him out for his floor. For whatever reason, a guy like Le'Veon Bell, when I stat him out, I seem to stat him out, stat him out for his ceiling. So, you know, while it, you know, it seems a little weird, I look at it and I know, okay, well, I have Le'Veon here because that's what he can possibly... But I know when I look at Kenyon Drake that he could easily, easily be inside the top 12. Easily. Okay, so... And I, I understand that. Like, people are, are very different when they do their rankings. Like, some people will have separate projections, and then they'll have rankings. I think that's too, like, confusing. So I just have my projections are my rankings. But then, like, what I always do to mitigate for if I feel like I'm, you know, projecting somebody above, like, their middle ground. Like, I usually try to project people not at their floor or their ceiling, just right there in that perfect middle. Right. But sometimes if... Uh, I project somebody like a Matt Ryan, for example. Like you can't project Matt Ryan at the perfect middle because you're always going to be wrong. He's either at the right. bottom or at the top. Right. So you kind of have to pick sides on certain guys. So when I do that, like my mitigation for that is I have my risk and potential ratings on the side of the players. So that helps me make decisions. And anybody that's using my free draft sheets on the website, um, I you know I have a higher risk for people that I have projected at their ceiling or. A higher potential for people that I have projected at their floor and whatnot. So if that's the case, if you know you see much higher potential in him, that means that there are some people you have ranked in front of him that you would take him over, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So who are absolutely. those people that you have in front of him that you take him over? Okay, I would take Drake over Chubb. I would take obviously, like I just explained, I'm going to take Drake over Bell in a keeper league. Um, so it would be, you know, honestly, in a keeper league, it's more dangerous because we don't know for sure where Kenyon Drake's going to end up in two years. Yeah. So, but I, again, I, with, with a keeper league, I'm still playing for this year, you know, and, of course, yeah. and so I'm not really concerned about what my running back's going to be doing in a year or two, because so much happens, so much changes. Um, I, Eckler's above him. I would probably still take Eckler above Drake. Um, I take Drake. I take Drake above Gordon, just because I, I, I'm not a big believe, believer in Gordon. I'm not a big believer in Denver. I'm not, that that three headed backfield. So, I I'd even take him above Aaron Jones, 
even if I know Aaron Jones is going to end with better numbers at the end of the year, they didn't splice I, out. See, I don't even think that that's something that you can say, though, now. You're like right. You're AJ right. Dillon you're coaching right. touchdowns. You know, you're right. You're right. I, and I hope he takes half of his touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, one other thing, actually, too, super interesting. Um, other You guys might have heard this already, but Aaron Jones... Most of his receiving work was when Devontae Adams was hurt. Once Devontae Adams came back, his receiving took a huge hit. Um, so that's another thing holding him back, not just A.J. Dillon, from getting, you know, last year's stats. He's a great running back, for sure. Like, there's no denying that. He's probably one of the better line- running backs in the league. But I just don't think that he's going to get the the work that he needs to be that guy. Um, but so that is the last guy we had to debate. We still have a few questions so we're going to go ahead and run through these. I know we're pretty much on the same page for this question, too. Cam, uh, Cammer from Twitter asks, Why mediocre reviews about Marquise Brown? He was the rage last offseason. Now no one is sure he can be a difference maker. He was coming off injury last preseason, and he was a rookie wide receiver. Plus, his speed with Lamar Jackson makes an every play danger. Everything you said is correct. A hundred percent. Like, I agree with everything you said, but I'm still way too low on Marquise Brown. He's actually somebody in a podcast I'm thinking about doing in the future. Guys that, like, my gut tells me I need to take or, you know, different. Need to take these guys different opposed to my rankings. Um, He's one of those guys for me because I want to be high on him. I want to be high on Marquise, but I just can't. For me, it's the low passing offense. And him and Andrews were, like, the only targets so it's not like you can just project Marquise Brown to take a huge bump in targets. His target share last year was 18.5. So, I mean, the most you could push him to is like a 25% target share. But based off what Lamar was on pace for last year, because he did sit out one game at the end of the season um, just to stay healthy, he was on pace for 427 attempts. 25% of that is only 106. And last year, 106 targets. And last year, Marquise Brown had 18.5. So, that's not a jump that I'm willing to project in the first place. Marquise, unless you're banking on like double-digit touchdowns, which I would definitely not do, he's not somebody that even finishing. I even see finishing as a top two, uh, 24 receiver. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually was just counting it out. I have him, I mean, he's like, to me a wide receiver three with a few weeks where he's going to give you wide receiver one numbers. Um, but I, I just noticed one of my little notes here. It says, you know, obviously he's a burner, but his yards per reception are so low for like a guy that takes a lot of deep, you know. Deep yeah, they, they did use him, I think, a lot more than, than a lot of people noticed as, you know, a complete route runner. Like Matt Harmon's reception perception was great on him. Okay. Um, He had, you know, a lot of slants, um, screens and stuff like that. Like they use him as like a complete receiver. It's just... I mean, that whole offense is built around Lamar Jackson running the ball, the defense being good like it always is, Mark Ingram. Yeah, and now they just added J.K. Dobbins. Right. Like, do you you not think that they're going to just keep running the ball like crazy? Like, for me, that's just – it's hard for me to see. Like, I love Marquise. Like, he's – I want to to draft him as, like, a wide receiver too, but I can't. Like, I can't bring myself to to do that. Um, I'm trying to find him. Yeah, I have him – See, this is crazy, but as like my numbers get a lot lower um, in terms of rankings, everyone starts to get, cool. you know, the tiers get bigger and everyone's way closer to yeah. each other. So 
Uh, I hope that you're not asking this, Cameron, because you have Marquise, because you're going to hate what I'm going to say next. But he's my wide receiver 47. Um, I, know I, have him, I, have, I have him, like, almost between 38 and 40. I kind of forgot yeah. exactly the right number. But um, there's so many other players that I would... For me, he's like, he's like a Mike Wallace or a Deshaun Jackson on a team that doesn't throw the ball as a priority. At, you know what I mean? And Lamar has gotten a lot better as a receiver, but he's not known for a guy who's going to sit in the pocket and go through his reads and give you know, his receivers a chance to, you know, to get deep downfield. Yeah, when he scrambles, he's allowing a little bit of time. But the nature of him is either going to be to run it or to find a quick read. And, and I just don't see Marquise Brown getting enough targets yeah. to warrant anything outside of a wide receiver three. How many targets do you have him at? I'm just curious. Um, well, I don't have the targets written down. But receptions, I have him for 56 receptions. Okay, okay, so we're on the same page. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I have him for exactly 56. I have him at 90 targets. Um, I think I have him at like 22% target share. So I'm giving him an in, a, a big increase from last year. I mean, a 3.54% increase is not anything to, to laugh at at all. Like, that's a big jump. And that's what I have for him. I also know that, like you said, he was hurt. So he's going to be better. He's going to be more efficient. But he also had seven touchdowns last year, and I think that's, like, I have him for eight. Like, I don't see that being a number that's going to change too much. Now, if he goes out and puts out 12 touchdowns or something because he, you know, has a bunch of big passes that he just breaks to the end zone, then obviously he's going to finish really high. But not only, like, kind of like what you're saying, he's going to be up and down. Like, he's that wide receiver three guy that's who that's going to give you massive weeks. Um, at times, but that also means he's going to give you really down weeks. So not only is he somebody I don't see not getting enough targets, but he's also going to be somebody that's frustrating for you who in your lineup. Who are some guys that, around him that you would take in front of him? Um, okay, so that's an important distinction that I would take in front of him because I do have guys that I wouldn't take in front of him, projected in front of him, like a Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, just because they're like, you know... They're boring. Good. Yeah, they're, and because and like... Marquise Brown has more potential. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so some guys that I would, you said I I would take in front of him, right? Yeah, that are behind him. Oh, that are in front of him that, that I you would take, take ahead of ahead of him. Okay, yeah. So Marvin Jones, I would take in front yeah, of Marquise agreed. Brown. Agreed. AJ Green, I would take for oh, that yeah. for that potential. Devontae Parker. Oh yeah. Um, this is gonna sound funny to people that I'm saying this because like this should be you guys are gonna think this is obvious. But I'm lower on this guy, Cortland Sutton. I would take in front of him. Um, I think when it starts to get iffy for me is once I get to Preston Williams, because Preston Williams was very close to Devonte Parker. Like he was actually better than Devonte Parker. Um, obviously, I wouldn't project that for this year. I think that Devonte Parker is going to be better. But that is the the range. The Preston Williams, Mike Williams, um, like I said, Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard. Like those are the the few guys where it gets really close to him, that I would probably take him over. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, we went through some names. Do you have any other ones that I didn't really Well, let me ask say? you this. Since I, I actually brought him up and I compared him to him, would you take a Deshaun Jackson? No way. No way. No. Even though if he played 16 games on that offense, see... Well, if you... Yes, if you can guarantee me 16 games, I wouldn't. But the reason I say no way is because... Mark <laughs> is because I'm just 
he has a, a big risk factor. It's been a while since he's, uh, you know, since he's played uh, right. a full season. But yeah. I, yeah. But if you if you guaranteed me sixteen games, yeah, I would definitely take Deshaun Jackson over Marquise Brown. I think most people would. I hope right. most people. Right, and, and I actually, yeah, you know, that's that's why I kind of asked the question because for me, I, I, you know, I see a lot more. I see a higher ceiling. For Deshaun Jackson than I do for Marquise Brown. Yeah. And, oh, and then one other thing I forgot to mention is Lamar Jackson's passing efficiency um, was insane. I do think it's going to come down a little bit. Now, I'm sure most of you guys probably already saw, like, my huge thread of how he got better and better as the season went. And so I that does make me confident that he's going to be similar to last year. But we still have to project him to, to decrease and go down at least a little bit. And so now we have another question. This one is kind of hard for me to answer, but I did my best. Um, and he's Jeff is basically just asking, does Dalvin Cook hold out? So just short answer, yes or no for you? No. Okay, I, I agree. I say no because, I mean, I'm no contract expert, but from what I understand, he hurts himself by holding out, and he will not be a unrestricted free agent unless he reports to camp and place. And, I mean, if he doesn't go to camp and then he's a restricted free agent, he's going to find himself in a similar situation next year. So why would he do that to himself? You know, he has little leverage because while he is, like, that their identity on offense, he's not to the level of Elliott where he's been their identity for a long time and he's healthy and reliable. Like, he's never played a full season. He's always hurt. Like, there's so many things working against him. And then also, like we were just talking about, the... All the rookie running backs that just got drafted and got drafted high, like first, second round, they went to teams that also have good running backs. Like so many places are just like you can't name any team right now that like has garbage running backs. Like the closest you could probably get would maybe be it would either be the Niners or the Dolphins, but they have Breda and Moser, who are, like, both underrated guys, a which hurt, are really good. A hurt and young girly would make the Falcons the worst running back. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then, like, also, that's another thing for me. Like, if I'm looking at this, I would have to assume that, like, all the people that are getting paid millions of dollars um, to do so are also thinking about this when it comes to, like, you know, guiding Dalvin Cook and what he should do, his um, managers or whatever you call them. Do you know? Financial advisor. Yeah, whatever. Life Um, coach. (laughs) Yeah, so his agent. That's what I was trying to think of. All right. Yeah. Um, His agent has to be also looking around, you know, the league. Like, what are the other free agent running backs on the market? How many places are going to really need running backs? Like, you have Aaron Jones, who's also going to be a free agent. Leonard Fournette's going to be a free agent. And most places are not opening up. Like, because the Packers, they have Aaron Jones' replacement already. And so, like, there's, you know, there's very, very limited locations that Dalvin Cook could end up, and that would also have the cap space to afford him or give him a better contract than what he would be getting offered from the Vikings. So I don't really see any way that he holds out. I think he's going to play. I do knock him down my rankings a little bit, but not too much. I would take him at the back end of the first. I would take him in front of the running backs, like, once I get to that Kenyon Drake area. Like the Austin, which is a much higher for me than you, because I know you have Drake and Eckler way lower than I do, like we were talking about. But like after Miles Sanders, Mixon, Jacobs, that's where I'm like, okay, I'll take Cook right now. But if it gets you know close and then he signs his deal, he's back to my RB like three or four. Right. So 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to hold out. And then the last question to finish out the podcast is Rich Cooling. He asks, what under-the-radar asset could you buy as a contender on the cheap to help you out over the top? And then he actually gave um, some good examples because I was asking what his definition of cheap was or if he just wanted us to run for it. And he said, you know, guys like Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Mark Ingram. We both thought right away, Marvin 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 Jones, Jones, for sure, 100%. And then Ingram is a pretty good one too. Yeah, Um, yeah. Especially the more and more, I mean, if his ADP continues to dip because more J.K. Dobbins, you know, Hype, info, yeah. yeah, comes out, then that that's all better for for the drafters. That the rookie fever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'll throw a few names out real quick. Yeah. Um, and just, we did not we did not check names with each other, so if we have the same name, I'll let you guys know, and that would just be you know more confidence for you. Well, there's like one or two names that I look here, like. Beside the name, like it has your name in quotation, so I'm not even. Gonna, I know that's your player. You know what <laughs> okay. I mean? So I'm gonna leave. Uh, All right. You know that Bengals guy, worst wide receiver alone. Um, so I will. Oh, you out. can you can say it. No, no, no. That's your I don't guy. think him. I, I have th- a guy that I like way better. Okay. Devonte Parker, with his average draft position. Okay, forget the last four years years whatever it is but Devonte parker uh i even struggle considering keeping a guy like him you know my you know between him and hilton aj i wanted to keep two of them and you know there's a lot of risk and reward with uh honestly with all three of them you know you don't really know what you're gonna get but i do feel like Devonte parker at his draft position that he can definitely him and aj they're actually two people apart and, yeah i know you like aj um, for sure. Some some guys that I have, and I know you agree with this, like you were just saying, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I think he's a great buy low um, if you need him for, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft. Like Redraft, he's got good ADP. And then if it's Dynasty, I mean, unless that guy that has T.Y. Hilton is competing, you should be able to get T.Y. Hilton for, you know, a low cost. Like I was just advising somebody that was that's on the other side of it. He has T.Y. Hilton, he's rebuilding. And I'm telling him, Man, sell T.Y. Hilton for what you can get because he's not going to help you. He's going to be useless for you because you're rebuilding. You have no chance. So, I mean, honestly, T.Y. Hilton is that, – that's one of those players I think should be easy to get if you're in like a dynasty or whatnot from somebody that doesn't have a good team because it benefits both of you guys and you should be able to get a good deal on him. Um, what's another name you got? Um, I, I actually just want to pull up what a value that Marvin Jones is. He's going in the 904. Ninth I, round, yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, that, every yeah. year he's like eighth, ninth round, and every year he's better. He's than going that. around names like Darius Slayton and, you know, Miko Hartman. You know, those are some of the names around him. And, you know, honestly, Miko Hartman, if there was no Sammy Watkins, you know, I'd probably be on that hype train again, you know. But, I, yeah, I, I don't know how Marvin goes so low. And uh, another name. You know, I think he's going to do really well. Uh, I, I believe in him this year. You might even call it a hot take at where I have him. But I think Stefan Diggs. Oh, definitely. yeah. Yeah, we definitely differ on that one. But, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about Diggs. I mean, you know, I know he's going to. We, we all heard it. Josh Allen, you know, he's you know not as good of a receiver. He's uh, his, his quarterback, his, you mean? You're talking about Allen? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, just just bringing him into the fold, 
into that offense is, is only going to hurt him. But I, I actually think he's going to be the clear number one. I don't think there's any question. He's going to be all over the field. He can run your deep, your short, your intermediate. I think Diggs is going to be, you know, like the big part of that. And um, I, I just think uh, where he's getting drafted, you know, you could you could have yourself a wide receiver one. Yeah, I I would beg to differ on that, but I definitely see where you're coming from just because of that explosiveness he does have. All it takes is like a couple of plays to change, you know, a complete fantasy week for you with him. Um, another guy that I have, Tom Brady. I think it's very, very possible he leads the league in passing touchdowns. He's never had, and like, I'm not just saying this as a Bucks fan. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's ever had a better receiving core as a whole than he has now. Like, even if you look at when he had Randy Moss or when he had Gronk and Hernandez together, like, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are possibly the best one-two receiver punch in the league. Then Gronk, OJ, and Cameron Brait, which people are forgetting even exists. But, like, don't forget when Cameron Brait was, like, your favorite DFS plug-and-play for tight end every week. Um, he's still here, too. Like, we have three great tight ends. We just drafted Tyler Johnson, who I absolutely love and think is going to be a great slot guy. And Rojo, like our running backs are not as good as what he's had in New England, but every everything else is so overpowered compared to anything he's had before. I think even if you are somebody that's worried about his arm not being as strong or whatnot, the thing that has always made Tom Brady Tom Brady is his mental processing. And when he has that many good players... I mean, how is the Bucks offense not going to just go down the field almost every drive? Like, we see Brady do that with a much less talented roster. As long as there's not any problems with, like, coaching or schemes, which I don't expect to be there. You know, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are both high-level guys. I think they're going to figure it out. Um, I think Tom Brady could easily be a top-eight quarterback, um, even without the rushing, just because I think he's going to have to throw the ball a lot, and he's going to do it very well. Do you have any other guys you want? Because I know I have a couple more. Yeah, I could run through a few. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go backwards from from the 14th round in ADP. I see T Higgins is the last in the 14th round. Oh, I like round. that. I love T Higgins. T Higgins in the 14th. Somebody I don't I'm not as big on, but I think you would probably take a shot at Nikhil Harry in the 14th round. Um, Golden. Oh, Nikhil Harry's a good one. Yeah, yeah. the one thing about Golden Tate. I don't want to take a shot on a guy that I'm only going to use him for a week or two. I mean, there's no benefit really to, to having a guy sit on your roster for 14 weeks so you can play him twice. Um, yeah, and like the the Giants never had everyone on the field at the same time. There was not one game last year where everyone was on the field. And like Golden Tate is not the only like reception hog there. Sterling Shepard is just like that. Then they have Darius Slayton. They have Evan Ingram, who's also right. a big volume guy. Then they have Saquon Barkley. Like, there's so much there. Like like Golden Tate, that's kind of why I steered away from that. And we just talked about Marvin and Mark Ingram. Right. We don't necessarily really agree with the Golden Tate one. Um, but some other guys I have, for some reason, everyone forgot he, this guy existed too. Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron's gone. Jack right. Doyle has a very good chance. Like You can literally get him as your last pick in drafts or get him for absolutely nothing in Dynasty, um, if that's what you're talking about. So Doyle's a good one. And then I also have Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, but this is pretty much Dynasty especially because I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be like teetering on RB1 
this year. Right, and you can get him for people who are starting to lose faith in him. So now, yeah, so if many you want to get two or good three more years. I don't know. Oh, I. Oh yeah, I wouldn't say he has. Like I would be doing it just for this year. Like I have no. Well, I mean, I, I would say to you. You know, what I mean, they signed a massive contract. I don't know the, the you know the details to it, but. Yeah, but like their their offensive line got better. They have either two or three new starters on their offensive line. They added more weapons in the receiving game. Hopefully, Darnold improves a little bit. So I think there are so many things that are going to help him be more efficient too. Because like his biggest problem was like lack of touchdowns and efficiency, not workload. So you give him the same workload or even a little bit less because Frank Gore was added. Um, but his efficiency is going to see a huge bump, I think. Um, and then his touchdowns up from four last year. Like, come on, he's going to get seven, eight at least, right? Right. So I think he's a good one. And then, yeah, with David Johnson, everyone's worried about him. And I think he could be really good this year if he stays healthy. So those are two guys I think he could get low. Do you have anyone else? Yeah, I have so many more, but I'll try to make All it right, Yeah, let's just run uh, through them. Okay, so um, we were talking about this, and honestly, we have so many conversations, so we just get into it. Um, so this is something I'm sure you were thinking about. How we had Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, if you can get a guy like that in the 11th round, if you're trying to stay away from quarterbacks, you know, you can get him late. You know, add Tyrod Taylor if you want. And, and you, you know, those guys can be all... Honestly, you might be able to get Burrow later than that. You might be able to go, like, yeah. like 13 and 14 mm-hmm. and get both of your quarterbacks and be done with it. A few other names that I really like is Jalen Rager. I mean, he's also in the 11th round. Like, do you want to talk upside for guys? You, you draft him within yeah. two weeks, you, three weeks. If, if you need to cut ties... You, you at least know what kind of market share he's getting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, another one, obviously, I don't know if I said Deshaun Jackson in this bit. Yeah, I have but Deshaun I, I would Jackson. definitely take Deshaun Jackson. Yep. I have Manny Sanders, too, another one of those older receivers. Okay, and then to a younger receiver, um, I, I haven't heard his name really much anywhere. Justin Jefferson. Like I, I really. Yeah, see... I think I think the rookie receivers for like what he's asking might be a little bit tougher because like. If you're a contender, I don't know, and you're trying to buy something low, like it's hard to get a buy low on like a rookie receiver because everyone's high on them. Right um, in dynasty, but I was just saying, like in a redraft, a Justin Jefferson in the tenth round could could really be. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah, the the last few names I have on here, um, like I said, Manny Sanders. Actually, only one that I didn't hit on was Rojo. Uh, Rojo's. Yeah, I saw him. That's right, Rojo. Yeah. And Emmanuel Sanders, you spoke of. So yeah. All right, and then so yeah, that's it. Um, Thank you guys for listening to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. As always, if you like the show, please rate and review it. It helps us out a lot. This was my dad on the podcast with me. He's one of those guys that somehow always <laughs> puts puts together a winning team. He's always in it in every league. Like He wins half of his leagues every year. It's ridiculous. Um, so I love – he's always a guy great with his gut. Um, so I love having him on here. And, you know, having someone to bounce some ideas off of. So, thanks for joining me. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for listening, dive listeners. <laughs> oh, cut that. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> people laugh. All right. All right. We're going to leave that for you guys. Um, so have a good one. Thanks again. Peace out.